I work with brands like Adobe and Mazda to help them leverage, 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 technology to go pee pee and poo poo everywhere. Good morning, once again, end users. You're hearing me in stereo now, and it's just me again. We're finally getting around to episode eight of this podcast, in which I monologue to my phone about even more than I do usually, about technology and how I see it sitting here in Columbia, Missouri, so far away from the lords over us. Before I get too into it, I have to say that in this episode, me beginning by addressing you as end users well, I'm not sure if it's entirely necessary that I specify that um, you be, like, explicitly unenthusiastic about technology. That doesn't really make sense. Um, I guess I have also tried, especially in these past few months, to not only be a bridge between developers and quote-unquote normal people in that direction, well, uh, upstream, ups, downstream, upstream leveraged uh, from... <laughs> I've not only just tried to, to tell the dev actually I've gone the other way. Instead of trying to tell the developer stories to, to normal people, I've tried to see if I could offer any insight um, to software and hardware people uh, who are really deep into it, depending on where they are. Thanks to something, well, thanks to a dynamic that has served me very well, I have gotten to do that. Um, I've gotten a voice in, uh, I'll buy a I'll be it briefly, I guess, that's been listened to. I've got an opportunity for people to hear me uh, that I never would have had before. For instance, specifically, I'm referring to a Twitter space full of Microsoft employees talking about VR. And they were like, we're going to conclude, but we're just going to take one more question. And I, I just had been talking about this was Microsoft Ignite, which genuinely disturbed me. I'm probably not going to talk about that, though. Um, and they'd just been talking about all the... They were very excited about this, about VR and AR which is something that I and everyone I know, everyone I know, finds bewildering at first, um, usually then boring, and, uh, well, at least for me, continuing to um, listen to those uh, so far west, um, alien, almost. Basically, I've, I've got to poke my head up and be like, and it was literally a bunch of Microsoft developers, and be like, yo, I grew up on a farm, uh, I witnessed some, like, <laughs> fucking semi-satanic shit i'm like my judeo-christian like bits really came out watching that uh that woman was dressed like a gypsy and then manipulating a model of uh the earth in ar and everyone was casting lasers into a bonfire i'm talking about a microsoft office conference okay um i, I and i was like Nobody, I, know, I said what I just said to you, is nobody I know has any idea why you're so into this or like what you're trying to do with it. Generally, like across everything, like VR and AR and just all of it, nobody really knows. Like 
a lot of them have VR headsets, and they play VR games every once in a while, but, like, it's very much a novelty, but you're over here delivering, I mean, you're over here, like, developing really hard on, uh, what one would call professional VR equipment. Okay, so that was, and someone immediately, a Microsoft developer, and I've forgotten his name, I forget, of course, I've, uh, he's on a list somewhere, but I can't remember which one, um, he didn't say, he didn't act like I was a yokel or anything, he immediately was like, yeah, I mean, we're basically just contending with the idea that we're never going back to the office, uh, ever, again, and all I can tell you is that, for whatever reason, having a virtual space for, reduces fatigue in collaboration, and that was legitimately the first time I'd ever gotten an answer to that question that made sense. <laughs> so, that being said, I mean, it's not like I was like, oh, okay, I want it now, but like, you know, um, that does make sense. I, I think it's uh, probably not what I would be focusing on right now as a Microsoft employee. Um, in fact, if I was, well, if I was leadership at Microsoft, um, I don't know, we all have one of these that's kind of a joke, but File Explorer, there is a new one. You can get it now. It's in beta. It has been for years available. It's been it's like at least 2019, but I, I can't verify that. Uh, I, I promised though I was using it. Um, I don't really like it because, uh, well, I won't get into that. It's not really important, but like, and that's the thing is uh, having gone really deep into the iOS community in the past few months, which you wouldn't know if for whatever reason you're only, you are consuming this in the future as some sort of uh, artifact well, I'll try to I'll try to optimize for you too. Um, let me let me do my summary of this. Actually, no. Before I do my summary, I'm sorry. Why I didn't follow you back on Twitter? That's the whole fucking thing. Uh, there's a follow limit on Twitter. As in, if you follow enough people on one account, eventually, depending on uh some parameters that that they have actually documented, but they were did not used to be documented anywhere. Uh, at least they weren't when I hit the limit. Um, if you follow a certain amount of people, uh, before you, before your ratio of people, they like follow you back, quote unquote, um, eventually you'll get to a point where if you tap the follow button, uh, Twitter will say you can't follow any more people right now. And that point is the one in which I've been living, uh, since at least October, 2017. Um, and yeah, I want to make sure if I don't get anything else out, all this stuff that I've been working on, if I die after this, uh, at least I got up that document in the form of a, tw of a GitHub gist. And I know that that does not make, it's probably doesn't make sense. Um, gists are basically like paste bin. If you know what paste bin is, gists are paste bin, but with like, uh, basically a little bit of version tracking. Um, but if that's just too much, uh, there's a medium post too. And obviously I have an incentive to like distribute. Basically I, I, so I might as well go down that. I, um, I've gotten some more followers, uh, recently and, and, um, I have, uh, acutely noticed in at least a handful of cases, um, we, I, people follow me, uh, because we've had some sort of interaction. Um, and then, uh, a few days later they unfollow me. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I'm going to be talking about my, the way that I use social media today. Um, not in a, I mean, it's going to come across, there is some like, uh, there's definitely some like bias and like a sense of superiority, but like, it's not ultimately. Um, and of course, like the only reason that I would ever condescend is because I'm trying to help you or at least, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so I guess, uh, and this has been chronicled in this podcast. Um, I seem, I've continued to use Twitter 
more or less in the same way. I mean, it's this is it's, it's an exaggeration, but it's basically the, on the same fundamental motivations um, as I did when I first signed up in two thousand nine, which is to say, basically that like um, it, I I just like reply to basically anyone that that I see any. Uh, I regularly reply to strangers. Um, I regularly pop in threads that um, were already well established, quote unquote. God, I'm sorry, but using that term, on the, like, uh, you guys have forgotten what what Twitter was for. Um, I've just continued to do that, and I've uh, I don't know. I'm I've also continued to become a much more empathetic and sincere person um which is a component of that for sure uh and it's one of the reasons it's one of the only reasons why we continue to do it because i don't think that um like i don't think that thing that i just said where i pop into thread uh just to say something that makes people think i'm funny um i will get that's what i get rewarded for uh and that's the problem but that's not why i'm doing it like that's not the only reason i i do not engage with people for my own entertainment alone. It's not to say I'm a, a philanthropist. Um, of course, stepping back here, what I, I'm basically just, we're like rebuilding a framework of normal human conversation, right? Which is cool. I'm doing that as a person too. All right. I So that, I guess maybe that explanation has been taken care of. Um, I want to write about it, but I also like... I keep setting my scope alarm off, as in things keep getting out of scope, because, especially anytime I write about social media, because there's so much to say, um, because the writing process and the reading process, and thinking about my own, thinking about myself and my own relationship with social media, uh, and this is, I know that every, we're all doing this, Gia Tolentino did it, and she did it in a way that was amazing. It's a book called Trick Mirror, by the way. She's already done it, so why am I doing it? Uh, well... Um, I'm trying to just figure out how to have my own communication skills, which I feel are incredibly inadequate, basically. Uh, and yet I encounter just regardless of, of like the actual truth in, in the amount of people that I encounter that have, um, big blind spots when it comes to communication. See, I'm going off the scope anyway, again. I don't know. I'm trying to figure, I don't know, man. That's something I also, I, I know that I, I have a tone of, uh, confidence, I guess, um, and that's definitely a like a pride thing for sure. But I also realized that, uh, I mean, I think I've been more and more sincerely emotional or since like transparent, sincere, expressive of how I feel about these things, um, like vastly more expressive than I used to be. Or maybe I always was someone who was moody about them. I don't know. That's also been casted out. Basically, I, if it, I want to express to you that um, I am just trying to figure out anything. Uh, and well, I guess it, it, it's resulted in that, like the project that I've just set out upon is one that I never thought I would do. And that is to write the definitive reference guide to using a Bluetooth keyboard with an iPhone. Um, and I want to do it because, and I've been, you know, playing around with Git and, and, uh, which by the way, I was, it was just an experiment the last time I talked to you. It's basically my whole process now is using GitHub, I should say, because it's not just Git, really. It's GitHub-specific features as I have appropriated a GitHub as my note-taking tool, and I'm writing in public, and you can view anything that I'm doing at any time, basically. Um, I don't say that because I think you're going to. 
I say that because you really should reconsider how little people give a fuck about what you're doing, those of you that are worried. Um, yeah, I, I, if I can express, like, if that helps, if that makes you feel good, uh, I'm very confused about everything. Um, I don't know. I The thing is, like, I don't feel... I. I should feel like I'm in a really bad spot in my life. Uh, but to be honest, I feel like something has changed recently in my understanding of what I should be doing generally uh, and what I've been doing wrong. Um, that being, I don't think I fully realized uh, the mentality that one needs in order to make things that have value to other people. And that that's what I've wanted to do all along, but yet, uh, whether it be my privileged upbringing or this bull bear society that's something i've been hurt i've just heard in the past few days um i some sort of there was some sort of block in my understanding of how to produce things of value to other people and i think it had something to do with like uh and this is as much my fault as it, as it is anyone else but like uh and, and a tremendous privilege but being told that i was special and i could do anything i wanted as a kid um and I mean, I was smart in in a very specific way, uh, actually, and that <laughs> this might be telling. Uh, the only documented way in which I am a genius is in my ability to um, use what 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 we call then context clues in order to understand um, the definition of a word, for instance. Uh, but the thing about that is, is what that's really saying is that I'm good at making it, I'm good at guessing. And I don't want to guess anymore, and I don't want to uh, suppose anymore, because supposition, even if it is from someone who is um, off the charts at it, that's like, the, that's like the last thing that I want to be off the charts on. I want, I uh, like, a fundamental shift in my life has been, uh, I believe that I could glance over the details because they were for the people, the, the neckbeards, the people like the nerds, those are the, the detail people. Um, and that's just not true. Or at least I don't want it to be true anymore. I like, I guess I used to find little things bleak, but I found that this is actually very topical. And yes, this is going to be very much a abstract one of these because uh, it's also going to be very detailed uh, because I've been doing detailed things, but they've added up to, to some very abstract um, changes. Um, now I, f I keep finding little corners, little projects on GitHub, uh, like that spark joy. I don't know why. I don't know why it suddenly does. It may be because, <clears throat> I mean, I think that like the suggestion that people around me is like, man, you really are lonely, but that's the thing. I don't, I, it, I'm not, um, I'm moving very slowly, but like, I feel like I've sincerely communicated more in the past six months than I have ever. And it's hard. Uh, it's frustrating. And it's, and it's, um, like, especially because I confuse, I've been confusing a lot of people. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. Since being sincere, I've found, uh, <laughs> if anything, people, un people don't get it. It's like, they, that's a blockage to communication, which I understand. But yeah. Um, the new sincerity, uh, creative wellness. I've used that on this podcast before. That is not happening, by the way. I I should say, while I have been um, much more healthy in my social interactions, um, I I struggled to stay on task. Um, and I want to say it's because of that some blockage has been removed, and all of a sudden, all the little detailed things that I ignored, and I was like, literally seemed insufferable to me. Like I mean, just even like basic math. Um, all of a sudden, like I'm actually experiencing true nerddom 
I think. Uh, and it's not a replacement for genuine long long term um, organic wants, but uh, it's very it's very therapeutic, and I under I finally understand why. Um, and I hope I guess I would ask that even though I shit on you, nerds, makers, engineers, neckbeards, even though I shit on you relentlessly. I'm still gonna ask you to bear with me um, while I uh, learn why I was such an idiot. But, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna take your spaces, but I paid for my GitHub repo, you know, so. Yeah, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna focus on something specific here. Let me reframe. I don't know what uh, what date that was actually, but we're jumping ahead in time to May 22nd, 2000. 21. And we're also, um, wow, producing levels, doing the first live end user recording. Naturally, it would be uncouth if this podcast were to feature anyone but myself monologuing. So by live, I simply mean that I'm sitting in a Twitter space with just myself and I. Um, and uh, I, th- I, I hopped off before by saying, let me reframe. Um, so I want to, I want to address these, uh, assumptions about social media use that I whipped up. I should have begun with them. Actually, I don't even remember, <laughs> I don't remember if I wrote them there. Um, they're actually on the one document that I do not have pulled up. That's fine. Who are you anyway? Uh, oh no, they're here. They're here. I don't want to, I guess I should just read them out. I'll put them in the show notes. Basically, Okay, let me sum them up. One, for most mainstream social media users, no amount of, like, marketing talks, uh, conversations, um, no amount of tuning in to whoever the fuck, um, even Oprah Winifrey, no amount of optimization will ever result in a substantial, like, accumulation of money or influence or, which I guess is power, uh, and... I would bet my net worth, which is actually negative, so maybe, I don't know what to bet. I'll bet my phone. I'll bet you my phone that um, the number of actual marketing authorities, like professors, industry pros, who would advise you to spend your time, like, like who would advise you as a marketing acolyte, as someone who has expressed only the sentence, I want to get into marketing. Nobody would answer you by saying, you should go on Twitter or you should go and squat in some clubhouse room. I'm sorry. And it's crazy that like I can say that definitively and it be not common knowledge. Now that's that sounds condescending. I don't know. That's the thing is like the stuff, the the content that I'm reacting to here on Clubhouse, the leverage, leverage, leverage um, title today. This isn't exact, but it was how to um it was a different word than leverage but let's how to leverage your podcast to um fuck, i can't even use these terms to optimize your brand okay um you know what i'll address that one individually okay there were like 300 people in there all right the only people that should be worried about um the way a podcast that they're working on reflects their brand is if one they already have a, like an established in like use uh product. You already have an established product. For instance, there's a local um, marketing company that's all run by all women. They have a podcast and it has lo- has local ads in it, but it has, I mean, and it does, I think, or have some potential maybe to um, uh, gain them something. But what it mostly is, is a chance for um, the founder to sit down with some other professionals um, and basically whoever 
and talk about stuff. And yes, it's it's still professional. Anyway, um, the only people that should be going in there that should be spending their time, especially their professional week time on attending talks about how to optimize a podcast in order to sustain or, or fulfill a brand are prospective NPR employees or Gimlet employees or um, or you have an, a business plan. OK, I, don't, I can't believe I'm saying this because what I'm doing is giving advice on something that I know nothing about but i know enough to know that your prospects like if if i don't know who you are let's say you have pr experience let's say you live in california and you're one person and you got a college degree and you've got 10 years of experience at a uh in tech okay and you're all of a sudden your prime directive is i need to make a profitable podcast and i need it to happen i need to spin it up as soon as possible that's a hard fucking job dude um like i don't know if i can say that enough it's very unlikely that you will succeed in any reasonable time um an exact you know what this is a good time to use an example matt farah this at the smoking tire i watched him when he was just a camcorder making uh like he was showing up to, to random car events in like 2007, six. Um, now he has a profitable media business, auto media business. Um, notably, a second business that has nothing to do with media at all. It's car storage, but it's much more. It's like a, the um, absolute premium car storage. <laughs> uh, West Side Collector Car Storage is what it's called. And he has a podcast. And that podcast is routinely in the top five automotive podcasts uh, in any aggregator that uh, you might find. And it has been for longer than most of those aggregators have been op in operation. Seven years, five years, ten years. The Smoking Tire podcast. Um, and it is largely dudes shooting the shit. And I would almost like I bet they make a substantial amount of their income on that podcast. Mostly because if I know Matt, and I should, uh, I've been reading and listening to him, I, uh, like, I mean, as long as I've been on the internet, basically. Um, and, like, the only reason that he would continue to invest as much as he has in the, in the, the Smoking Tire podcast um, is that it ha is it's definitely got to be a profitable business. How long did it take? I mean, they're... They stopped counting a long time ago. It's literally like 1,500 episodes or something. Um, and I mean, he has like fucking Joe Rogan and Jerry Seinfeld. He's been on Joe Rogan and Jerry Seinfeld and whatever. Matt Farah, like, there was maybe some luck, but like, I don't know anyone else who hustles as much. And that's the thing. We talk about hustle, right? But like, none of that hustle was ever sitting in a conference call. Um, you know, I guess I should ask Matt. But that'll be an interesting conversation. My first one-on-one -on -one conversation with Matt Farah, a hero of mine. I'm sure it would be on that subject of how to get there anyway. They talk about it all the time. Anyway, number one, that's basically it. It's social media, Twitter, Clubhouse. is certainly is like far, far, far from the first place you should be investing your time if you want to um, proceed, if you want to become a marketing professional too. I didn't word this very well. I did not revise it at all, by the way, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's pretty good for that. Those Twitter was designed upon certain frameworks with certain rules which form quantifiable formulae where they are dependent upon a user's choice methodology to produce results, which we have indeed become more adept at predicting with study over time. It was not created as a game to be won. Perhaps most importantly, the prize, quote-unquote, of quote-unquote winning in the sense held by those who resist this assumption, uh, notoriety, influence, relevance, has continued to prove ultimately worthless or worse time and time again throughout the very short history of the cultural element as it exists today. Okay, there are there are people, let's accept the term influencer as um, 
important, relevant to modern times. Let's accept it as an industry, even. Think of your top 20 influencers that come to mind um, that have any longevity, okay? So not uh, not someone who, I don't know, blew up on TikTok for six months. That's, okay, I'm sad. God, I'm sounding old. Because I don't actually know. I've never seen a case. So let me just redact that. Um, some sort of longevity, some sort of stability in producing online content. They started from YouTube, basically, right? The vast majority of the people that you that come to mind. Uh, from my generation, I, Justine, uh, it's not that she wasn't on other platforms. It's not that she doesn't have an anchor podcast now. But YouTube is where it started. Um, Marquez Brownlee, YouTube. Um, now Twitch. Uh, with the exception of, like, nobody has no full-time influencer. No individual who's like primary profession is existing as an influencer began on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm focusing on Twitter, even though I'm with Clubhouse, but the, the reason I'm doing that is because, um, well, for one thing, I guess Twitter is a space I know I've been there over a decade, you know, every day. Um, but, uh, and we're getting to what I'm referring to, what I'm reacting to. You know what? Let me continue with the assumptions. I gotta get these out of the way. Three. So if both the one, one and two, we, we agree that one, there, it is unrealistic to like start with Twitter if you want to build exposure or whatever financial prospects. Two, um, even if you did set out to win Twitter by the data um, quantifiable means of quote unquote succeeding at Twitter, having a good ratio, your rewards for that um, are very little. I don't know. You could probably get like you could get a, a flash mob together. <laughs> Or something equivalent. You can you can direct people, but like I mean, Elon Musk. Um, let's say like now it's not an example. Uh, I was gonna say if someone had somehow, with only being a Twitter user, acquired the amount the following that Elon Musk has, which is possible. Even that he can influence markets, but like no, because that's the thing. There's no capital. There's no capital. It'd be a Twitter user. Anyway, so three, if if both of those pass scrutiny, the only remaining reasonable prerogatives in an individual's social media use is to engage with both strangers, friends, and acquaintances, so all, in a manner which generally adds value to the lives of all involved. I'm just going to go straight. Four, three, that last one, is not only possible, it is easily reproducible. Then again, most of my evidence is centered around my own experience. Um, but uh, I'm sure if I had a grant and a year to, to academically explore that, I could find many examples. Five is a disclaimer. It's basically, so I'm, I'm talking about my methods as alternatives to the, to the uh, behavior that I see on social media. Um, and I just want to state that uh, I wouldn't even prescribe them as the cure, um, quote unquote. They're not, they're certainly not. It may be like components of a, of a quote unquote solution in there. But mostly it's just a critique, okay? That's all I'm trying to do. Um, and I, I guess I guess this is the first time that I'm really trying to tiptoe into providing an alternative. Now we're testing Clubhouse, and I think the levels are about right. This is me being animated again. Okay, I think I figured it out, so we'll see. Oh. Mm -mm -mm. Well, now I'm on Clubhouse. And when I say I, it's both I and Extra Tone. But of course, I couldn't name Extra Tone, Extra Tone. So it's David Blue, but with the Extra Tone logo. I'm sitting in a public room entitled Against Social Media Methodology hyphen recording in parentheses. Come in. I'm disrupting Clubhouse right now and I'm leveraging my, I don't know, multiple phone numbers. <laughs> Big assumption. Um, 
Wow. So I haven't actually talked about the specific methods that I am against, specific methodology that I am writing slash recording this to argue against. And um, you know what? I'm going to begin with fucking emojis. I don't I've never seen such rampant, obnoxious emoji use as I have on Clubhouse. And it's not like I love Unicode. I love emojis, frankly. Uh, I'll take Unicode over emojis, but you know, um, yes, I understand. But other Unicode characters. Anyway, uh, and yes, I like the argument is not funny. Well, it is, I will argue unironically that emojis are part of a, like part of the progression of language. Um, however, that's not the way they're used here. Uh, they're just overused to the point where, um, Oh God, I'm using the word readability from an entirely different rant uh, that I'll get around to on this podcast feed before I die. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I, it's so universal on this app while I'm talking about it. Um, another thing that I mentioned in the written post, and here's the creepy chair that uh, I hopefully will be posting along with this podcast, with this podcast embedded, um, is, so one, I want, I'm going to say my Twitter account at Neo Yokel follows over 5,000 accounts. Um, and I believe that list to be particularly uniquely diverse. Um, not only in a I'm a better social media user than you movement, I and I am impervious to filter bubbles uh, sense. But um, so one, I basically never unfollow anyone. Uh, I have blocked one Twitter account. Uh, like legitimate Twitter account. And most of the time I don't even have to block like the spam accounts because I can handle it. Uh, actually, you can call me out on this because I think the screenshots, I think I have like a few muted accounts, but it's like the Denny's account and drill because I just, the jokes, uh, no. Uh, and that's definitely personal preference. I'm not going to argue that uh, in order to opt optimize, you have to block Denny's immediately. That's what I'm saying. Um, okay. How long is this? This is going to, might be four hours. Who knows? Uh, so I said, I, my follow, I follow a lot of people. I was a libertarian asshole when I was 15, 16, being 17. Um, and when I say libertarian, I mean, uh, I found the very absolutist simplified, um, I don't even say arguments, statements of like the objectivist, Randian, uh, Malinuian, I guess as a young man, um, I found those really comforting because they were, they sounded so assured of themselves. Maybe I'll talk about that another time. Another time. Uh, I was not, as you, I'm never, I'm never good at being a part of a community. So literally my first taste, not of actually interacting with the community, but like, um, I mean, basically when I realized who most libertarians are, that's not face to face, um, that ceased. But the people that I followed, and there weren't many, I can think of one specifically who still, it's the same profile picture. Um, his name is Ronnie, it's vague, same at, and he posts Ayn Rand quotes all day. And I assume, I like, I don't look at my timeline ever, but I happen to, I don't remember how I came across him. But, uh, and this is someone I followed in like 2011, 12, probably 2000. 2011. Um, I'm not going to unfollow him, but uh, well, because I don't look at my timeline for one thing and he's not on any of my lists, probably should put him on a list. Uh, I also wouldn't mind, I guess, I can't, I don't see it as like a threatening thing for even Ayn Rand quotes to be immediately outside of my sphere or maybe poking into my sphere every once in a while. Um, it does not pain 
or like physically uh, hurt me um, to accidentally come across one of his tweets. Um, it's a reminder that like, holy shit, the guy is consistent. That's for sure. Uh, also, he's a nice dude. We talked. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so I don't, I don't unfollow. Like I was into tactical shit in two thousand nine when I was a young man. I never unfollowed any of the tactical dudes. Not in fancy, um, whom I love uh, and look up to, except uh, Trump is one of the. That's one of the people that like I could not fathom why I lost them to Trump. But anyway, um, uh, let's see. I think. Um, oh yeah, the Stop Coney thing um, in 2012. I probably unfollowed the, that. Um, uh, I think I unfollowed the president's account. Uh, you don't. Anyway, that's enough detail. Basically, I should. I don't unfollow anyone. Okay. Um, and I follow, uh, not indiscriminately, I guess since I'm discussing my social media methodology today, um, in doing research for this, I came across, uh, a piece on Wired and a piece on the New Yorker. New Yorker piece is by Anna Wiener, who I could have sworn, could have sworn that I've, that I put on my, on at least one of my Twitter lists before. But nowadays I literally, anytime it occurs to me to check just to make sure I do, because guess what? She wasn't, um, yeah, I can't because I can't follow. This is my equivalent. But like if I could, that follow button would definitely like basically everyone at Wired, a publication that I subscribe to, I should be following. There's no reason I have the tools, Twitter lists to disseminate. I like can fit like I'm adept at filtering. Um, following is if I could still do it would basically just be accumulating um, connections. Yeah, uh, that I don't want to lose for whatever reason. And it's down to like, I saw someone say one clever thing about, oh, let's say uh, someone's <laughs> this is actually this is my bias. Here we go. Here's my filter rebel. Someone say anything even like just make a kind of funny joke making fun of crypto. Um, and then I look at the profile and they mention uh, that they um, are researching or that they uh, are doing like, um, uh, okay, geological research, okay? But they're using some, um, like it's like a modern thing, modern process, and they're working for a company that's owned by uh, John Deere. So that's pretty far out from most of the stuff that I seek out day to day but that kind of thing is tantalizing like i don't what if i come back to that what if i see that so i probably put them let's say they uh, are in the midwest i put them on my home twitter list and um if they're like <laughs> god this sounds awful uh if they're if they appear to to be uh maybe like not 100 heteronormative uh or at least like there's a difference between being like just existing in heteronormativity and then being uncritical of it anyway if they're cool i'll put them on my the new twitter list whatever okay um this is one of my peeves which i probably should i should have split all this out into an outline but i'm not going to that i uh brings me to my view about thanking someone for following especially on twitch so on Twitch, um, you there's, I don't know, there's two levels, basic levels, right? When I go onto a Twitch streamer's uh, profile, let's uh, I get links to their stream. The other day, actually, example, the other day I, I came I, uh, across a dude who was on VatSim and um, he was doing a flight on VatSim, which is like he was simulating a a uh, commercial jet flight as the the pilot in command. I you know I've talked about VatSim. If you don't know what it is, anyway, I was surprised to find that VatSim has been thriving. Glad to find that Batsim has been thriving. Um, I found this guy and like I landed when he he did the uh, cabin announcement to, you know, digital passengers and he 
made a point of speaking it aloud. And there was like 20 other people watching. Um, and it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't a delusional man uh, enjoying a fantasy of being a commercial pilot. It was a routine. That's something I've, I'm working on in my life. So that's all it took. I hit the heart. Okay, so that's following someone. I'm going to call it following. I'm not sure. With. Um, all that, there's zero consequences unless there's a Twitch follow limit, which I may hit someday. Um, I didn't pay him. Um, at least for me, I, maybe it's because I am not like, well, uh, I am not a, like a even regular Twitter or Twitch user. I'm an intermittent Twitch user. But like, um, all that means is he's going to show up in a feed by default and I can immediately remove him with like going through three menus. Okay. There is zero consequences to me hitting the heart button and putting him on my master list of social contacts. And yet, Twitch streamers feel the need to thank people for following them. And of course, like, I'm not saying, like, fuck you for thanking me. Um, I'm saying the stigma, for God's sakes, I wish it would go away. The, like, the pressure to thank people for just following. Now, if I had done the second level and, and like, right there, pledged $10 a month, that makes sense. That's something to celebrate. But, um, I'm not doing a very good job, but okay. I want you to see there's a connection between that threshold on Twitch, between a free follow and a paid pledging subscriber. The delusion about that threshold, as if the follow, like following, is um, increases my chances of pledging by like three thousand percent. It's probably something like five percent, um, right? That delusion. Now take that compared to podcasts. Okay, um, let's say or. Well, let's do, we're doing the audio thing. So podcasts that are listener supported with Patreon or now iTunes subscriptions. I mean, like thanking every single, like if you could track down um, the just someone who added their RSS, your RSS feed to their aggregator, it'd be like tracking them down and like thanking them publicly for that. That's the twitch. Now, again, if they became Patreon supporters, there's that is uh but like uh I don't know, maybe I'm not being insightful there, but I hope uh so I was <laughs> how I follow people. We're getting back to we're, that was a big tangent. We're coming back, we're coming back. So my following list is pretty diverse, right? Um, but if I do a Twitter search for the root URL of Clubhouse, join clubhouse.com in quotes live and then select only people I follow. Um, it is literally the only people that I follow at 5,700 across uh, the auto journalism sphere. That's a big chunk. Um, tech journalism, uh, libertarian, edgy libertarians, um, weird Twitter, um, electronic musicians, uh, probably some the like edgy shitty Twitter, uh, and then toss in some Vine influencers, Vine quote unquote influencers some some um, old school viners and nobody, basically nobody but Chris Messina and Jason Calacanis, who are two tech personalities, um, uh, is back back as far as I was willing to go. Now I linked in the post, in the actual post, uh, I got, I'll put it in the show notes too, the link that you can just click and it'll do the same thing for you to see, like it pre-selects those options. Um, but yeah, so what that means is that no one, certainly no, none of my friends have ever shared a clubhouse link. Um, and if any of them were using it regularly, or honestly at all, the likelihood that they wouldn't post it on Twitter because these people, like this is how I, we grew through Twitter, uh, is strange. Like the explanation, they would be a, like the only explanation uh, of someone who is, is regularly using clubhouse that is a Twitter friend and not sharing it is a shame. I don't know. Uh, it's not happening. Nobody, I, I none of my friends and none of my like acquaintances, Twitter acquaintances and 
nobody I'm like I have ever been interested in since I was 14 on Twitter, having followed recklessly to the point where I hit the block or hit the limit. And uh, years ago, nobody has tweeted Clubhouse links this year except two guys. So if if nobody out of that all those groups and nobody I know is on Clubhouse, you know, here's the 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 quote: well, "Who the fuck is?" Right? Um, and that's like there's my one, and uh, I think I talked about them, but I, I'll do it again. There's no thoughts at empty that group. Now they're an exception from all of this, but otherwise, um, just roaming around Clubhouse, uh, popping in and out of, of big talks that have like 300 people in them, hosted by um, like, okay, let me just read one. I'll just read one. All right, I'm gonna do a real detail now. This is Mitch Joel, at Mitch Joel, um, 9,000 followers. Waving hands emoji, clubhouse clubs, hyphen, thinkers, infinity, comma, digital transformation, and no treble, waving emoji. My rally creator, uh, I'm assuming that's a baseball emoji, is hashtag right, W-R-I-T-E, all cap. A link tree link, guess what? It's Mitch Joel. A bullseye, bullseye darts emoji, I work with brands like Google, Walmart, Shopify, Starbucks, Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, Twitter, Unilever, when they want to leverage technology to better connect with their consumer. <laughs> Rocket emoji. I spent close to two get decades building and, in parentheses, eventually selling my marketing agency to WPP, I don't know, one of the most valuable marketing communications holding companies. Before leaving agency life, I was president of Miriam, a marketing agency operating in 25 countries with close to 3,000 employees. I am now founder of Six Pixels Group, an advisory investing and content producing company that is focused on brands, commerce, community, and what's next. Now this is uh, his own, there's three gold medal emojis in line breaks. The first one, thinkers50 hyphen, radar2021, second line, gold medal, 100 coaches hyphen, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, gold medal emoji, Canada's top 40 under 40. Now, if I were to ask you to, I don't, just give me a picture of what you would imagine, the, like most of what this man has done professionally, like his actual day-to-day -day actions, his, the actual output of his day-to-day for uh, professional actions, productive actions. Can you give me twenty-five a marketing agency operating in twenty-five countries with close to three thousand employees? I like. I really do understand. You know, um, I think I understand media and public relations and um, uh, advertising and marketing to an extent. Um, and I cannot fucking imagine. Like I don't. Nothing that I see in his bio, and I guess nothing in my bio either. <laughs> but like, if I had, if I had t were, were taking this much space in my bio, um, I would definitely want to talk about something like concrete that I actually produced, like a project that I was on, a project that I was on even, but nothing specific. And I'm picking on Mitch. I'm sorry, Mitch. Um, I guess if by some ridiculous uh, coincidence you come across this someday. <laughs> Uh, hit me up and I will take it down. Maybe I should talk about that. Uh, do I have another, another example? Um, here's a, cl a, a an actual room. This is I, this is all from screen grabs, by the way, uh, that are on the post. It's from the same Apple Frames post, uh, the one that has the black Elon Musk screenshot. Um, I don't even. None of these room titles. Find your north hyphen a creator's journey to self discovery. Um, this was at noon on weekday, I think. Uh, creating an ultra mindset discussions with ultra adventures. That's like a specific company i'm assuming um sips and strategy with brian calhoun 25 people um holistic entrepreneur hyphen building your culture from startup club uh that was 
like 4 p.m. And okay, none of the people, I guess my original point was like, I follow like, honestly, like uh, a lot of, for one thing, a lot of the auto journalists that I've read and followed and corresponded uh, with on Twitter, um, like it's a thing that they go into PR. Okay, so I have a, like, and uh, when I pull up like the Twitter profile for for these people, I'm I don't we don't connect at all. Um, and I just wonder like how much BS is happening, how much human time is being spent on BS. Uh, and surely it happens. I don't know. Like it has to be a clubhouse thing. Nowhere have I ever seen so much meaningless shit. And like I am not the type to tear into, it, but like literally where I. I've seen like so where it's been so overwhelming where I can't uh, find anything concrete. And yet everything I'm sifting through has got hundreds of people sitting, listening. I understand that a lot of them are can be at work and listening, but like and then the actual hosts talking. I'm rambling now. This is definitely rambling. I'm sorry. Um, But like just sitting and, and doing like those exercises where it's like, OK, I'm going to sit and I'm going to summarize the argument that, that person just made. And it comes up empty every uh, You know what? I'm going to actually cite uh, the New Yorker feature on Clubhouse. Okay. It's by, yes, Anna Weiner. Um, I hope it's that's the right pronunciation. It's from March 31st. Two big quotes stood out to me. I think you should definitely read this. Uh, I have a Markdown archive. Hit me up. I'll send you the file. <laughs> Quote, there was something pleasant about meandering from conversation to conversation as if I had walked into my own home to find a conference in full swing. But I also wondered, why did I let all these people into my house? Um, I would, I didn't particularly experience that sensation because like this stuff all feels very voluntary to me, but I have a privileged position to say that. Next quote, most important, the, uh, the punch, the kicker, the, uh, the home, the humzinger home run. It is hard to shake the feeling that everyone in clubhouse is selling something, a company, a workshop, a show, a book, a brand. She's definitely onto something there, except honestly, if everyone was actually selling something, like as in like all of these rooms resulted in, so I've been saying all this and here's a uh, affiliate link to a book. That would be, that would be better than what I'm talking about because that would at least reflect like a concrete, like even if just, even if it was the, even if it was the Amway shit that I experienced where it's uh, people, um, giving out vague advice with like very like emotionally manipulative uh, chart, like very manipulative, emotionally charged in a manipulative way, um, like uh, proverbs. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not. But uh, and then selling it for uh, under the guise of it being something adjacent when it's really the primary product. Uh, that would make more sense, and at least that would reflect like actual move, like capital moving. But I'm seeing all these people that apparently have work history, and they're just and. Not, yeah, I'm going to stop with rambling. Um, so I went off on a tangent there. And all I was trying to say really is no one I know is on Clubhouse. And that's odd. Uh, before I had actually ever seen like Clubhouse is an exception. Normally in like exclusive access shit, um, if I can't find a way to get myself in early, um, then I will at least like, I don't know, watch 45 seconds of someone using it or just to get a grasp out of it with clubhouse i literally all i had was the the fucking headshots in the app icon that's all i had for reference and i the mystery it wasn't it i didn't actually occupy much of my thoughts but and i had what like the tech journalists that i follow would occasionally say about it and like neelai patel who is someone that like i don't know i think i i don't know if i if if we are well it's similar but i, I guess i would say that i i think i can presume to say that i i deeply understand his world outlook and like i know him. i i know his voice 
his professional voice. Um, and like, I don't know if Neli has like literally never said something that in any way I maybe go, oh, that, hmm, that's odd. Just, it's, it's not that he's predict. Well, I guess he is predictable. He's predictable. That's fine. Anyway, and yet looking back on, I, I don't even, I don't really remember what Neli said about Clubhouse, but he said some, basically he had stopped in on a specific talk and then come out. And I think he was bewildered, but he didn't continue like I am um, down that road because I think that it seems like like even this this very uh, in-depth and I think insightful um, New Yorker piece, maybe I'm getting old if I find the New Yorker coverage to be like the, the, the leading thing that I want to share about a given subject, tech subject. But um, like the gist is even, even, you know, going deep in it and analyzing it and New Yorkerizing the story and the experience, um, implicitly, it's definitely like once this, like this story is up now and I'm probably never going back on Clubhouse. And that's like, uh, and I know that the usership is falling and um, like, I'm not, Clubhouse is, is not, specifically is just the most alarmingly concentrated example of a, a phenomena that I'm it exists across social networks okay so yeah nobody I know follows or nobody I know uses clubhouse that was the gist um and um so yeah let's do a nice split here uh and um move on to something else no let's move on to twitter just because it's uh, on the on the same line right going back to that first assumption that uh like no matter what no matter how you strategize no strat no there is tw there is no winning twitter strat okay um and by that i mean if you like there is a strat that will produce results definitely um, that you could make a fake persona uh, attached to, I don't know, whatever, like, but like a real physical bot person image, and you could break records in terms of how many followers you get. Um, and, and you could only follow one person and break ratio records. And you could delete, certainly delete the tweets that didn't perform well, um, and like rephrase and repeat the tweets that did and like shoot solely as your primary goal for using Twitter service to simply maximize the amount of engagement, uh, or at least maximize as a whole your analytics numbers to be the, as peak favorable to um, some like peak favorable to uh, third party ad services putting ads on your tweets. It's the best way. Like peak favorable to, to ad tech. So um, the most tantalizing, desirable Twitter account for these automate like these ad buyers to have their tweets inserted next to. Um, you could do that, and it would be a lot of work. Actually, like you could automate it definitely. People have, um, and you could blow up faster on Twitter than anyone ever has, and have an account. It's got 18 million followers, but you failed. If there's any, like you failed to use social media to add anything of value to your life, um, other than uh, I guess social engineering skills, um, and most likely, like the likelihood that you even succeeded. <laughs> Going back, the likelihood that you would actually reach that point, you, me, uh, genius or not, um, is very slim. And the toil for most of us required uh, 
would be significant. It'd be a lot of, I guess, sitting behind uh, what are the fuck third party uh, proprietary services used now uh, to manage social accounts. I think, I mean, a lot of leveraging. Um, and uh, even if even if there were a financial gain per engagement, okay, you still failed. There's a reason there's not financial gain per engagement on Twitter. Um, in my, like, again, not knowing anything about business, being very bad at business, uh, but having been on Twitter for 13 years every day, uh, like, uh, yeah, that's not gonna happen. But that's, even if it did, you would have still failed. And that's the reason why it doesn't happen. Yeah, um, because the purpose for uh, social media sites, and this sounds naive, but uh, I'm starting to wonder if I'm gonna have to like be really forceful about it because even the academics, uh, when they talk about social media, are just talking about like their their criti critical side to the the big social uh, giants involves scraping and data. Okay, stop with the data. I get like I understand enough of the data to understand the general trends. Do you do you want me to go over there? Um, one sixth of the population of my species looks at Facebook every day. I've said this multiple times on this podcast, okay? Something like 300 million see at Twitter every day. Um, that's, yeah, I guess I don't know them. Uh, what can I tell you? There are places in the world that definitely should have better internet access that don't. Um, there are places in the world whose entire internet access has, has become Facebook controlled. Um, there are places in the United States and certainly uh, people in the United States who um, don't have internet access, <clears throat> largely because even the cheapest option to them um, is so much more than they would actually quote unquote need to do the most practical things that one does on the internet. Um, I guess it's considered awful now to have a three megabit per second down connection with like a 256 kilobit per second up. If that's if you've got a reliable connection that does that, uh, you you can again reliability is the important thing. But like you can still use most of the infrastructural web just fine. Partially because like a lot of it's old, and then the rest of it is optimized for that. Um, yeah, again, I'm way off track. But uh, since I started talking about this, since I started at, like writing about social media, the internet has basically doubled or more in, in total bandwidth per unit of time, right? Uh, and uh, yet the only people that we talk about are the top 0.5%. Um, and the only, like they are more and more, um, well, I guess it inevitably, uh, no, not inevitably, because of the changes in Twitter, let's, because of Twitter becoming algorithmic, okay? Twitter started out as a SMS based um, public broadcasting service, okay? It was entirely based on text message. And um, you could, until, ha well, I'm gonna start when hashtags came along, because I really, my Twitter history is actually mm, kind of a little rusty. Uh, when hashtags came along, that was a means of searching for anyone talking about a specific subject, whether it be time uh, dependent or not. So, um, hashtag uh, asteroid falling to Earth right now, this very second, or hashtag gardening, um, or hashtag asteroid gardening. Um, and when you search the hashtag, you would just find a linear timeline of people using that hashtag. Um, and, uh, God, I'm trailing off here. There is inherent value in the chronological, the purely chronological, um, 
and uh, in the basically in the non-algorithmic. I mean, you, I mean, Mastodon is an example. Um, uh, somehow, uh, even though I neglect Mastodon, uh, I've managed to accumulate like 300 accounts that I follow. No, it's 500 accounts that I follow, but like only a few, like only a hundred of those are active. Um, in so I've managed to uh, craft this this space for myself where even though I rarely stop in Mastodon, uh, and even though there is no like what you missed, every time I stop in, the content on my timeline is is like hilarious. It's not stuff I just want to glance over. It's like hilarious to the point where it stresses me out thinking about all the shit that I missed. But then I realize how impractical it would be. Um, but that's the thing. When I do decide, okay, I'm gonna fucking, I'm just gonna read all of it. It literally is all golden. And when I, I don't just mean funny. I mean insightful. I mean. Um, thought provocative uh i mean em like emotional um and expressive and diverse uh probably not in race quite as much as I i'd like <laughs> so that is a big problem but like um and well like um that was twitter uh, and um every time there's a critique of an outcome of social media or a change in the behavior as a whole on social media of, of users uh the data is cited um the uh, algorithm is scrutinized and like the path that it, the path through the algorithm to the undesirable outcome is scrutinized over and over again by metamedia oh uh and then the solution is um abstractly always something algorithmic especially coming from the from the companies who do actually have the problems themselves We've let them do this. You know this already. You've heard that before. But like, even from the uh, uh, like meta media nonprofit uh, Neiman Lab Columbia J Journalism Review, uh, like even they just I mean pew pew man retract pew there. But like citing data um, is okay. Here you want a solution to the problem, quote unquote the problem. Turn it off. I've said that before. Either nationalize social media companies or split them up. Just nationalize them, okay? Um, enforce a 100% Facebook outage and say, Mark, no more delays. You have to turn it off. When you find the solution, when you find a way to fix it, then you can turn it back on. Um, again, rambling, because what I wanted to talk about is users. It's just so hard to talk about. What I, what I, the core subject is people um, under the delusion, and I, it comes, it does not come from um, the the average. It doesn't come from the middle of the curve. Uh, people using social media under the delusion that they're working toward substantial financial gain. Um, that's the primary thing. And then adjacently, um, people designing their social media use in an ingenuine way, uh, in an insincere way, regardless of, of what the actual persona is, whether it's, you know, nice, quote unquote, or uh, Nazi, uh, that would be a bad it would not be an effective tactic. Uh, um, but uh, like that is a fundamentally worth, like pointless endeavor, especially on Twitter. Um, and I would go so far as to say audio content too. Um, have I said that in enough ways? Can we get through that now? Let me, let me look at my notes here. Um, here's a by design or not, the ratio fundamentally disincentivizes discovery. Discovery is the word that I need to bring up. Discovery, comma, sincere exposure to new perspectives, and indeed most of what we constitute as quote human connection. Okay, so I think I've let's talk about solutions. So running discovery specifically, I'm and I I really wanted to do 
I still want to do an essay truly celebrating Periscope. Um, God, I would love to, to like interview. I would love to do a documentary or at least the essay equivalent of a documentary to interview lots of people. Um, I would love to do that. Maybe I just need to like, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know when that's going to happen. I work so slowly and I'm so sorry. Uh, but Periscope's magic is in that word discovery. And that is not a feature of social media. It's a function of social media. And I would argue a, like the most basic basal function of a service that is like that is connecting what uh, the platitudes connecting you connecting with others. Um, that's discovery. And Periscope, um, I think, was the most effective discovery mechanism uh, I've ever seen. And I'm going to describe it as if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Periscope was a video streaming app and a live video streaming app. And the magic feature that it had was a Google Maps or a Google Earth style globe, except without the topographical detail, um, that had little pins representing live broadcast. And you could spin that world around and at any time, pull up your phone, open the app, spin that world around. I want to watch someone broadcasting live in um, oh, anywhere, Burma, uh, Kuwait, uh, Georgia, the country. Um, I, I'm an American and I've never been outside the country, so I'm not gonna, I want to stop before I exhaust my list. Uh, but anywhere. Um, and you could pop in. And the way it was the last few years, not only could you start watching that person and then and start chatting with that person in text um, if they had said it and with just a few taps, you could start having a voice conversation with that person. Um, and yes, Periscope had a feature where you were like, so yeah, you would follow that person. I followed little, I think I followed basically everyone, like the weirdest Periscope, like the, like the most uncomfortable Periscope broadcast with, with one of the last three on the last night. I came, like, I had no idea that, that like pornographic content existed on Periscope or the whole voyeur, voyeur thing. Uh, but I was like determined to um, just be in a, a scope for the entire time. Uh, and I came across this one and it was this dude and like he was saying all sorts of sexual shit. And then he was like talking about like how he's going to masturbate or like the video was his face. But he's like, I'm masturbating right now. And then the one that he like showed a very like a very specific uh, flash of his his testicle bag, his scrotum. Uh, I think I still follow that dude. <laughs> um, no, actually, that might be my line, mostly because he didn't actually say anything interesting or respond to any of the various like prompts that I was trying to. Cause they let me in and I was like trying to talk about like in general, like, oh wow. So there's this, like you guys come on here and do this. Can you like, would you be comfortable with talking about why you come here as opposed to going somewhere else? And like, if I gotten any like actual um, conversation out of that, I would have followed him even though, like, but, um, and like notifications were fucky. Uh, frankly, like I don't answer my phone calls. So I very, very rarely, uh, would be in a situation where like some even the people that I that I was closest with on Periscope just randomly when they randomly started broadcasting and I got the notification that I would pop in. Um, I don't think that's what it was like. Honestly, I think the, the that bit could have notifications could could have just not existed for Periscope uh, and it could have just been the globe. But maybe I'm really naive. No, no, like following definitely would have. But uh, anyway. At, like out of the thousands of users you follow, you maybe have notifications enabled for three. Um, and you can go back and watch them also for the broadcast. But um, discovery like is the ultimate weapon against filter bubbles. Um, and I'm 
like I'm going to proceed and I have actually a not qualified uh as i probably should have in saying that like i understand that my immunity to um like my immunity to or my latin you know what it's it's just simply lack of vulnerability i think that's a better way to say it to most things being a cis white 20 something um glasses wearing uh computer man uh i under like i'm not saying that uh that you should be comfortable with continuing to follow that rodney ayn rand guy um or that like or anything uh and i understand that i'm starting at a position of um lucky lack of vulnerability um but uh i don't like the norm um on twitter originally maybe it was because of the lack of people to talk with about stuff but like if i wanted did i say this in, in the episode <laughs> i think i tweeted on twitter this is my example on early twitter let's say i just had the inkling like i wonder if anyone talks about triumph motorcycles on twitter so i search hashtag triumph you know and i find like one guy who extends like regularly talks about and hashtags his triumph um and i click on that profile and his bio begins with like i'm a motorcycle dude uh motorsports dude and then there's a divide or maybe not and then it's god-fearing uh america first uh pro-life or whatever um even some more of the like <laughs> i guess pro-military pro-cop whatever uh well, if it was the only fucking guy talking about triumphs and I wanted to talk about triumphs with someone, I'm going to add him. Cold add him. Reply to, to a picture of his bike and be like, dude, where did you get those fenders? And here's the thing, okay? He can respond to that question and have a conversation about triumph motorcycles without ever mentioning abortion, okay? Um, I'm, talk I'm talking to you like an infant. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm also talking to myself too. But like... Um, I, I don't understand and I don't it's it's not just things were better back in the good old days it was literally like that was isn't that what we're all here for we are not here to leverage uh our likes ratio to get more followers to leverage more um Twitter is just like specifically such an end just not an end in and of itself that it makes it but like we're if there's any fucking rational reason to to open the Twitter app ever it's to add value to your life, add value to someone else's life. And, uh, and I mean, I don't mean that in the, I'm giving you money or advice even, or, um, I don't know, nudes. It could be as simple as, man, uh, I haven't talked to, like had anybody to talk to you about Triumph motorcycles from the seventies in a long time. And this dude irregularly replies and I probably would hate him. And like, we could not hang out for very long. We could only hang out in the garage. But you know what? If all you ever talk about is triumphs, you can continue that social connection. You can follow each other. And he might even tweet shit like like really awful, bigoted shit. Um, and you know what? You have tools to, I don't know, maybe he's when he's on a rant. Maybe during the whole Trump presidency, you mute him. Uh, he might notice, probably won't. And then when the Trump presidency is over, you unmute him and see where he's at. And guess what? He's um, like just cashed in his fucking retirement and it bought a... Uh, a super bike and you like immediately upon seeing his new purchase need to talk him down because you realize that he is out of he has lost perspective and bought something that he cannot handle to ride and be like bro resume the conversation after eight years uh charles dude you know i love bikes you know i love that thing but you you don't no that's not correct it's not what's gonna bring you the most enjoyment you need to step back like three tiers and never talk about abortions. Um, this is not an original. This is a, anyway. Um, 
Oh, by the way, like I should also note that like uh, I'm trying to be transparent about basically everything. So you can see uh, all of my notes work voice notes as it happens because of the GitHub repository. And I'm finding ever new avenues of stuff to shove in there. Um, but uh, I'm trying to be as candid as possible at my social media use. But there, like, there are dynamics and happenings and mistakes that I made in the past, which I uh, do not uh, have the right to share willy-nilly because of other parties involved. Uh, but I've done some really stupid shit, by the way still do stupid shit. Uh, most of what I remember, uh, a lot of the stupid shit that I've done has contributed to all the things, all the dynamics that I've ranted about up to this point. I had an account. Um, I'm going to put in a pause here. Uh, I think we'll close this clubhouse room because it's been open and no one's come in um, and go back to the to the uh, uh, raw. But uh, I had an account at I had to pee. I've never deleted any of the tweets, I don't think. Uh, the drywall account as part of a greater thing, which I maybe will write. It'll be my trick mirror uh, one day, except that I don't know if anything will be good. Basically, I, um, after a preteen hood, try, like polishing YouTube videos, um, I feel like my new friend group gave me permission to not be so obsessive about everything that I did publicly. And I took that and, my, and made my adolescent rebellion against the idea of worth in ex creative expression entirely so drywall was trying to make shit that had absolutely no meaning and a lot of that was volume and that was represented by like every t for a long well for a good while every day when i would get home from high school the first thing that i would do to make sure to do is i would get on that i at i had to pee account and this is back when tweet deck would let you tweet with just the enter key and that's important uh and i would spam um you don't really need to hear it but you, why you might as well uh just uh, until I hit the, until I was in Twitter jail lately, like, like I hit the the limit, um, which was like, I don't, I don't actually, you know what, I can't, it's, it would take like 10 minutes of just cut spam to do that, and including Zalgo text and copying, and, uh, and I would make sure to hit that every day. And the motivation behind that, you know, we'll d dive deeper into that sometime, but like that sort of shit definitely um, didn't help. Can we say that? All right, and you're just gonna take a break. This is gonna sound bad. I've never done it from my desktop before. Hey, uh, it's how long? How much longer later? It's uh, July nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one, and I did not uh, do the second part of this episode. So this is it. There's a lot more to say on this subject, but right now, what's on the site? What's on Build Shot World is uh, my Mastodon app guide, which is 
positive. And I don't want to leave you without something to soar to. So I'm going to actually use Anchor's editor here and throw in a track, okay? Um, fuck you, Spotify. I'll, I'll, you'll hear from me soon, though. Um, Bilge.world! Come back to